Yeah, it is that time of the week where we like to help you out uh, with any questions or concerns you have about your pets. I'm talking particularly about Dr. Paul McCarthy. Paul, welcome. You're Thank you very much. You're here on standby, ready to go. Ready and waiting. And Cheryl Shaw, lovely to see you. And you've got a great topic today coming up to Christmas. I haven't looked at the brooch. It's a Christmas tree. It is. It's that time of the year. Lots of fun for pets, but lots of hazards as well. And you would see an increase, Dr Paul, in, in Christmas decorations and Christmas mishaps? Correct. I think mm. we've already taken our first um, Christmas stocking yet out of a dog the other day. So, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. A lot of us already have our Christmas decorations up. Not you, though, Cheryl Shaw. Not me. I'm a traditionalist. It goes up on Sunday. Yeah. First. Out. Ours is too, which I'm very excited about. But look, it does present a hazard for our animals. They're curious creatures and let's be honest, decorations are inviting. They're colourful, they make noise, yeah. they sparkle. And anything new brought into the house. Oh, it's so interesting. Let's mm. go investigate. We're going to have a talk about how we can keep our pets safe while still being festive. Quite often, you know, there's, there's changes for our pets. Some of those changes can involve... You know, people coming to the house, Cheryl, that don't normally come, putting up Christmas decorations, and we do need to be mindful of our pets across this time of year. Absolutely, Sarah. Actually, one of those things you just said, people coming into your home, you know, visitors, whether it's be family members staying with you over the Christmas, you know, festivity season... Those changes can actually put a lot of stress on um, pets, particularly cats. And if you do have people staying, it's a good idea just to remember to place your cat somewhere, maybe a spare bedroom, somewhere that it's going to feel safe. It needs a safe space to go to because the, the changes, just people coming and going, can really be disturbing. Just remember when you put your cat or your dog, if it is a dog as well, into a space to go back and visit them regularly, you know, taking in water, making sure that you go and give them a little bit of time because they're going to be feeling a little bit strange with different things happening. And another thing is too, often people who don't have pets at home, when they're visiting, forget to close doors and gates. So it's uh-huh. really important to make sure that you've got your um, you know, awareness up, that your pet is somewhere safe that it can't escape. Because this happens, doesn't it, Paul? That yeah. They do get quite stressed. Yeah, it's interesting. And another add-on to that too is that people who have suitcases, make sure that they keep them closed around cats. Um, for several reasons, often cats who smell someone different in their home, one of the ways they'll try and and, and make sure their territory is safe is they'll mark that suitcase. Mm. Um, so really, <laughs> Merry make, Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, there's nothing like <laughs> smelling of cat weed for the Christmas oh, period. But yeah, yes. and the other big one for cats too is that people who um, who like to have the um, the real trees. The, the cut fir trees and things, um, they can really make a difference for cats because they make the house smell very different um, and often they'll mark the tree as well. Mm-hmm. And, and dogs may do the same. So be very careful that you don't have your presence too close to a tree yeah, we, if you have one of those marking pets. One year, my brother-in-law's dog, we went to Nelson Bay, quite an anxious dog anyway, but he went over to the Christmas tree and he targeted just one present and he gave yeah. it a great shower. I won't oh. tell you which family member it was, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I guess you've got to watch out for that. Um, perfumes in boxes, um, they can also, because of the scent being different, can, can make a cat need to mark those as okay. well. So if you are wrapping um, specifically perfumes, even do a double wrap, 
so that there's no no um, odour change. More important in cats, there's multi-cat households. Single-cat okay. households are less likely to mark, but multi-cat households, any change in aroma can make them very um, unhappy. Yeah, and Paul, just on that, talking about putting things under Christmas trees, dogs are wonderful at sniffing out chocolates. Yeah, absolutely. So chocolates under the Christmas tree, you know, just don't do it. And the double whammy, macadamia chocolates. Yep. Oh, oh, they are so right. dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The interesting thing, fortunately, we, we get less chocolate poisoning at Christmas time than we do at Easter. Easter. And I think it's because often people get white Christmas at chocolate, uh, white, white, white cr- chocolate Christ- at Christmas. Yes, um, yes. And so it's not a chocolate that's toxic. So remembering that white chocolate isn't chocolate. Um, so it doesn't have the same toxicity as milk chocolate or dark chocolate in particular. Yeah, and another thing that's a problem too with the Christmas trees is the candy canes, because Sarah, you mentioned this earlier. Yeah. They're actually really toxic to dogs in yeah. particular because they have an artificial sweetener called xylitol in them and that is really toxic. So people hang them on the trees. Oh, I didn't they, know that one. Mm. Oh, okay. And they yeah. put them in little bowls for everyone to yeah. help themselves. Yeah. So just make sure if you've got dogs Keep them up, well up away from, you know, from your pets, that's for sure. The other thing is, Paul, with the pine trees, I mean, they can do some damage to, to cats in particular with their eyes if they're really sharp pine needles. And Particularly so, as you get um, closer to Christmas and they start to dry out, um, uh, they become the more rigid yes. and, and more likely to injure an eye. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But Christmas trees in themselves just are so wonderful for cats and kittens. Oh, they, yeah. You know, they love to climb, <laughs> they love to jump out, and, you know, all of that playing. But at that same time, we've got to be really mindful because... Th- you know, we've got sharp baubles when they break. Some of them are really fragile and, you know, they can cut either the cat or the dog. But the other thing is the tinsel pull. This is a big problem, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happens? Okay, so tinsel acts as a string foreign body. So they ingest the tinsel and the tinsel then causes the intestine to um, fold up like a, an accordion and there you get an obstruction in the bowel because it can't actually move through, but it also scallops all of the intestine into one big lump. Mm. So it's a really dangerous thing if they do have to play with that. Yeah, and not only... Uh, we use more ribbon at Christmas time as well, so the ribbons and strings, they are all the potential problems of yeah, the same absolutely. scenario. They all, they all act as a string foreign body, which has a particularly nasty effect of doing that whole... Um, combining all of the intestine into one big lump. Yeah. Now, you know, we're talking about cats and dogs mainly here, but there's another problem for our house rabbits because they love to chew and those electrical cords from our Christmas lights are really dangerous. I'm thinking um, National Lampoon, Chevy yeah. Chase, Christmas <laughs> Vacation right yeah. now. That was obviously a cat, but same it, thing. Such a lovely film. Every, yeah, so we watch fun. that every Christmas. Oh, so do we. It's a tradition. <laughs> it's on our list of Christmas yes. movies we must watch. Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, you know, the rabbits, if they're chewing, they're going to get electrocuted or they're going to get burnt or we could have fires. Another thing is candles at Christmas. A lot of people use candles. Oh, now, mm. we've sure. really got to be careful with the wax from the candle or if it gets knocked down, we could have a house fire or something really tragic. But, you know, be, be really mindful about changes that you're making during this festive season because it really can impact on your dog or cat's health. The other thing is a lot of people give presents to each other at Christmas time or during, you know, a visit to each other. And it might be something like a, a pot plant like um, poinsettia, which is really common at this time. Now, poinsettia sap is really quite toxic. So we need to make sure that your cat or dog isn't chewing on the, the pot plants that come into the house. And that's a pretty important one. The cyclamen as well, they're really pretty, but they are the tubers of those. If a dog gets hold of those, it's not a very good sight. And potpourri. We all, you know, sort of think about these things placing around to make our house smell nice. But again, there's, you know, there's oils in those that are quite volatile for for the, um, if they're, 
eaten by a cat or a dog and some dogs will eat just about anything yeah and and, and on that too cheryl uh, lilies in yes. flower groups so people often give flowers for christmas or have flowers in their homes remember the stamens are quite poisonous to cats so just um, avoid lilies in your bouquets yeah. if you can and i remember sarah wasn't um, familiar with that one time and i did bring some in to talk about the lilies but it's even if the cats drink the water out of the lily vase they can become quite unwell it, it as can well be, yeah if, if, so, if the pollen has, yeah. has fallen into that area well, yeah. there's a good reason to stick mm. to roses, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I didn't know why my mother-in-law was so tense when I kept giving them to her. She had three you cats. you like her cat? She had three cats at the time. Well, there's only one now. Oh, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> and you've phoned the program from Bulla Dealer. You've got a question for Dr Paul McCarthy about your dog. Yes, hello. Um, I've got a blue healer. She's 12. So she licks my legs all the time when I've got shorts on. And I know the answer is to put long pants on. But, you know, <laughs> and we've got to, you know, you go out for an exercise. If you've been for a walk or it could be, generally it's after dinner. So I think she just wants to keep playing. Yeah, what she's probably actually doing, Anne, is she's trying to reassure the bond that you have is still solid. So, so most 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 licking from dogs is a is a bonding activity. It's, it's a, what we call an appeasement behaviour. So, what she's actually trying to say to you is, "I'm really glad we're friends. I'd like to make sure that, that friendship continues." And that's what the licking is about. So. Um, ways around this one is certainly you can displace the licking behavior with attention so um let her also yeah, so know that you're, you're good friends yeah exactly or another activity correct displace yeah. the behavior so that you've let her do the lick you, you've reaffirmed the bond everything is still good between you and then you get her to do an activity that she enjoys as well so that you've got that need met from her but also means your legs aren't wet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Anne. Appreciate the call. Hello, Robin in East Maitland. You've got a question for Dr. Paul today. Yes, I have. It's about my little Jack Russell. Um, He's eight months old. Um, Now, I've just had a staffy that passed away last year that was 13, and now I've got a Jack Russell, and obviously they're totally different. And he's got a few, yeah, a few natures that I'm just not sure about. One is... He eats everything, and I mean everything. When I take him for a walk, I pull bits of glass out of his mouth. He loves bits of wood chip, flowers, everything in his mouth, all yep. like constantly. <laughs> so how do we stop that, for okay. starters? Yeah. So certainly, what? So remember, you've got an eight-month-old dog. So yeah. the the whole world is new and exciting and different. That's right. And the yeah. way to experience that when you're a dog is you put it in your mouth. So yeah. a lot of this is actually okay. investigative play. Now, right. um, we don't actually necessarily want to discourage investigative play, but what you can do is try on um, to have time periods where he's allowed to have the investigative play, and then okay. on your walk there's also times where he needs to focus on you. And particularly right. with the Jack Russell, who are a very fast, active, intelligent oh, breed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, finding that out. Yeah, you, you, you yeah. use your food lures. So you might take a whole bag of food treats with you on your, in a, you know, in a bag for you on your walk and, yeah. and keep bringing him back to your learning and your walking with a food lure. And then right, they're very um, sort of stubborn too, aren't they? Very... 
very uh, got their own mind kind of thing. I, I think it's more particularly at this age, you've got a dog who's who's finding their own identity, so they're reaching yeah. social maturity, and so yep. some of that behaviour will be coming through. But but also they 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 need a lot of stimulation, Jack Russell. Yes, so their dogs yes, I know. We do three walks a day, and yeah, and Perfect. then he still comes back with energy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So keep that mind ticking over. Get some puzzle toys. Get some you know some kongs. You can hide things in. Uh, hide things yep. in your garden for him to find redirect that investigative behaviour to behaviours you want to try and have him, have him use, which is often that food search, searching behaviour. Right. Now, the other problem is he is totally obsessed with my partner um, and yet he's my dog. Mm. I mean to the point where he gets anxiety if he even goes out to the mailbox and he just sits there and cries at the door and oh, doesn't wow. even acknowledge me. And, yeah, yeah and he just, like... Talk, like, if you don't acknowledge him or if my partner doesn't, he growls and barks yeah. and makes so, cat noises and everything. Yeah, so yeah. this certainly sounds like an anxiety situation that I would, have a, I would have a chat to you a bit about. Um, yeah. if, if you make changes in a young dog, you get a much better um, uptake of those neurological changes. So right. have a chat to you a bit about some, maybe even some medication to help with teaching the anxiety. Well, it's a re... Um, rejigging the brain so that the anxiety doesn't doesn't occur. But I would yeah, I would, he I would, gets I, it in the car too. Not when we're in travelling, but as soon as I stop, he's on my knee, clawing onto me, yeah. and will not stay. So I'm putting petrol in the car and everything with a Jack Russell under my arm. Yeah, so he has an anxiety <laughs> disorder, and I, and I yep. I, Time limits me from from doing a lot more on this one for you, Robin. But but certainly, yep, please, no, please speak to you a bit about this because I think that behaviour, yep. if you act quickly, you'll be mm-hmm. able to redirect that and have a much happier, healthier, mentally sort of stable dog as as he grows. Great. All right. I really did think that was anxiety because I've, I've had dogs on the lot, but I've really never seen anything like. Yeah, how absolutely. Gets, yeah. And in a young dog, that's the time you can make the most difference. Exactly. Well, good on you for being on top of it, Robin. There's some good questions, and obviously... Yeah, um, well, he's my kid now. You know, my kids have all left home, and he's kind of like my child now, and I'm, like, psychoanalyzing him all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thank you so much for that. That was great. Thank Thank you. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it. Let's go to Joanne now in Dudley. A question for Dr. Paul McCarthy. I do, yes. I have a little pug, Jack Russell Cross. He's probably about nine years old. And I've just noticed when, I, when he's walking, he's tiring a lot more quickly. But he's still quite healthy, but I'm thinking he might have arthritis. And I'm hoping you can suggest a natural remedy. Okay, so um, as a, a pug cross, um, is the nose long or is the nose squished? I know it's not squished, but it's not really long. But he definitely doesn't have the breathing difficulties and the dislocating eyes. So. Okay, does he snore? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, okay. So there's a couple of things that could be happening in a dog of this age. Certainly, um, there's a, a syndrome called brachycephalic obstructive airway syndrome where the soft palate and the pharyngeal area start to become a bit more saggy and therefore airflow becomes more difficult and you can get some obstruction to airflow. Now, your muscle mass requires oxygenation for your muscles to work well. So the first thing I'll be looking at is to have a vet, have listened to the airway, just to make sure there's no airway obstruction there because of your breed type. Now, interestingly, arthritis is a situation where animals feel better 
doing exercise and arthritis generally causes a dog or uh, a cat to actually be slow to rise a warm joint works better so a dog who's actually slowing up on a walk generally isn't slowing up due to arthritis it may be more likely there could be other muscle diseases happening muscle fatigue can be caused by other things but joint disease not commonly is something that causes a, a slowing up on a walk the other thing in a dog of that age bracket and those two breed types is that perhaps there may be an underlying cardiac condition as well. So um, heart disease can manifest as fatigue or ex- what we call exercise endurance. Um, if, you, if you start to see less exercise endurance and more fatigue on a walk, the heart would be a very good place to focus on as well. So um, the other thing that can make hearts worse is walking in hot or warmer parts of the day. So um, this is a situation where I think Bobby Joanne, this is a good chance to have your, your vet have a look at Dudley um, and just to see if there is any indication of respiratory or cardiac disease. Okay. Oh, don't panic. There's there lots of medications and things that can help both, both scenarios. So don't, don't panic. But I think I'm glad you've noted it because often exercise intolerance is not is often put down to old age or arthritis and often it is due to a a condition that can be managed quite well. Thank you very much for the call, Joanne, and good luck. Uh, Ken in Lambton, a lost dog. Hello? Yep, hello, Ken. Yeah, hello. You've got a lost dog. Yeah, yeah, it's my daughter's dog. My daughter and her boyfriend have lost their dog. He bolted on um, Monday, about midday during the big storm. Ah, dear. Yeah, he's he's an eight-year-old Kelpie. He's a fairly big dog, and he hasn't got his collar on. Ah, okay. Um, he is microchipped, yeah, though, Ken? He is chipped, yes. Yeah. And yes. have they contacted the local veterinarians and the RSPCA? They've done all that, yes. Yeah. Ken, yeah. what area was he lost in? He, um, in Lampton, and, in and, Kings Road. And, uh, okay, and what breed of dog? He's a Kelpie. Kelpie. Okay, so if anyone's seen a, a Kelpie around Lampton, please give it's us a call a at the station. Dog. Yeah. yeah. Blue cattle Kelpie, yeah. All right, Ken, have you left your details at, at, with the front desk? No, not yet. All right, I'll pop you on hold and you can do that. 49216216 if you have, uh, yeah, seen a Kelpie around the, the Lampton area. It was a big Lampton. storm. We had three dogs come into yeah, our work as well. it was really yeah. scary, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> and I'm not a dog. <laughs> John, I don't know who you're chatting to. I hope it's us. Oh, hello. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for taking my call. Oh, you're I've welcome. Thank you. I've got a chihuahua that I rescued five years ago from when I was living in Tasmania from the RSPCA, and she was puppy farmed. Mm-hmm. So she had no skills, no social skills. It took me about two years to get her used to even me, and she's getting used to people now. But the problem, the only problem she has is she still eats dirt sometimes. Mm-hmm. She has a good good diet it's every morning she has vegetables with meat and kibble and then i give her a um a thing to clean her teeth mm-hmm. every just after that i feed her in the morning not at night um because being, having so many puppies her bowel and her bladder sometimes don't at night time don't work that well so I found it's better to feed her in the morning and she wouldn't have any accidents that way. So in, incontinence, sorry, John? Or? Well, not so much incontinence, but if you fed her later in the evening, um, she wouldn't evacuate enough. And during the night, somewhere between 
going to bed in the morning, there's always yeah. a surprise there. Okay, you know? sure, sure. So certainly feeding yeah. in the morning would do that. Um, so so yeah. the dirt could be several things. It is yep. not going to be related to a dietary deficiency. So don't don't feel that your diet is inappropriate or that there's oh, something great. that's not being there. Um, yep. The, the two common things for, for dirt eating, one is that it's about territorial management. So mm-hmm. if, the, if the dirt smells of urine or of feces or of a scent that's not theirs, they may yep. try and eat the dirt to remove the scent from their territory. Okay. okay. I don't take her out from our backyard because she's not good with people. Yeah. So, and I've got a huge block of land, so she loves it. You know, I've got another chihuahua that's the same age. Yep. I had him from a baby, and they, they're each other's shadow. Okay, so, so certainly yeah. having a second dog there, see if the area that's being eaten is areas yep. where that dog has been. Okay. Um, in, and what could often happen is when you've got two dogs in the same area, if there is one more anxious than the other, yep. they may try and again mask that other dog's odour from their territory by removing that via eating the dirt oh, in those okay. areas. So yep. it's not necessarily a strange dog. It can even yep. be the social group they're part of. They just need to get rid of that smell. Um, oh, okay. the, the, the second thing it can be related to and sort of stems on from that is that it's actually a displacement activity due to anxiety. Um, oh. in, in, it may have been that when the dog was in the the initial breeding facility that that was that dog's displacement behaviour, that I, I ate, the, ate the dirt to sort of block my mind from whatever anxiety was being created oh. around me. And, and it, if that's the yeah. case, it, though not dangerous, it probably won't resolve. Okay. Um, but so, right. certainly look at whether it is related to trying to displace the other dog's odour. Um, and yep. what I would do is if you see it happening, try and redirect it to a game. So okay. that could be a time to bring out one of her favourite treat toys or a favourite yep. game that you play with her so that we're yep. actually removing it because if it is anxiety-related, if we can block that behaviour from being commenced, if she doesn't do it enough times, she may be able to get out of the habit of doing so. Oh, okay. Thank oh, you for John, that. No problems. Good luck, John. great. Thank you very much for the call. It sounds like bit of advice that will be helpful there. Often at difficult in rescue situations, you don't quite know the upbringing, and so those sorts yeah. of things can occur. Absolutely. Uh, Peter's in Cold Point. You've got a question about your Border Collie. Yes, I've, uh, I've got a sex Border Collie we've had since a pup. She's now 11 years old. Um, she went to the vet a couple of months ago to have um, her needles. Over the last few weeks, she started to um, poo in a bed and poo at the back door, which is very unusual. She normally goes up the backyard onto the grass. Sure. Um, now, is, do, do you think that... So, the, the poo at the back door, I assume, is related to the fact that, you, that she's not incontinent. She, you've actually seen her go, or are you finding them there? No, I find it there. Okay. And is it an, in the evening you've mentioned... Uh, yeah, on uh, on a bed. You yeah. wake up in the morning and you've got the little surprise package. Okay. So I think the most important thing, Peter, is to have a chat to your vet about whether this is an incontinence versus an, a behavioural disorder. So if the rectal muscles aren't able to maintain the sphincter closed, then dogs can develop faecal incontinence. And older, larger breed dogs, like the Border Collie, in, 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 interestingly, are more likely to develop faecal incontinence. And oh. it can be related to a 
dysfunction of nerves. Now, um, with that being the case, um, there is medications that can be used for that. The, the first thing is to rule out whether it is behavioural or whether it is a nerve dysfunction. The fact that there's also faeces at the back door makes me think that this is probably, though, more um, I, I, an urgency to go and I just haven't been able to get out. Um, and in those circumstances, often smaller meals frequently or actually having her go to the bathroom with you know, opp- opp- much more opportunities to go to the bathroom can often alleviate that as a problem as well. Um, what do you feed as your routine diet? Because often increasing fibre in dogs can make the, the, the uh, a less likelihood of there being um, incontinence or an urgency to defecate. Yeah, she uh, she has uh, black black hawk pellets. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, but not till about five o'clock of a night. Okay. Should I, should I change the time? Yeah. Of the maybe see if you give that a.m. rather than p.m. Um, so that what's going to happen is that she's got more opportunity to evacuate her bowels during the waking times. Um, That might be your your first step. Or even divide that into two meals. Give one in the morning, one at lunchtime. Um, And and certainly, uh, often when she is out and you you can see her doing that action, praise her for that. So sort of as you would a puppy, reward her for the behaviour so that she knows that that's where you'd like her to go. Just in case what's happening is that in an older dog there may be some senile dysfunction, so what we call cognitive disorder or dementia, um, and often retraining a dog to know where, where you'd like it to go can be necessary in those dogs so that you just sort of reboot that behaviour to return. Yep, all right. Yeah. Okay, thank you very uh, okay. much for your call. Okay, thank you. Good luck. Now, Bye. look, we did mention um, a little earlier that on Monday afternoon during the storms, uh, a dog was lost around New Lambton, Kings Road. It was a blue cattle Kelpie cross. We've just had a lady call to say that one's wandered into her yard near Cessnock. Now, obviously, oh. that's a bit of a distance. <laughs> so, look, we've got Ken, uh, who's trying to retrieve the dog, looking into this. So, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Could have been picked up, taken there. Who knows? Could have been. Uh, look... We've got David who wants to ask about his fish. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David, you let us know. Uh, we've got Sue, actually, from Madawi. If David just pops Sue on hold, we can pick her up and answer her question uh, about her dog. And that should pretty much get us through to the news today. I know time uh, just marches on, doesn't it? Sue, you there? What's your question today? Oh, hi, yes, I have a question for my uh, for the do- my little dog. It's my daughter's dog, actually. He's a crossbreed beagle pug, mm-hmm. and he's um, 13 months old. He comes into the house, we let him in and play around, but he always jumps on the lounge. He will not sit anywhere else except on the lounge. Yeah. What do I do and how do I get him to get off? So, so you would like to have him stop jumping on the lounge, I'm guessing, Sue? Yes, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Right. He, he, he thinks he's king of the castle. Okay. So the first thing to do would be just maybe as, as a step is try to train to use a mat. So have a, have a mat that's his. It's only his. No one else gets to sit on the mat. And mm-hmm. when he comes into the room, place the mat down, walk him across to that with a lure of a treat, have him sit on the mat and praise him for being on the mat. Now, every, okay. every time he's on the mat, he gets a treat. So what he's actually learning is that when he comes into that room, he goes to that mat, he gets a reward for being there, and each time he goes to move, try and lure him back and, again, reward him for being there so that he knows that's his spot in the room. 
Um, and you can okay. trans that, and that mat can go to room to room then. So you can move the mat from the lounge room into the kitchen. So that everywhere he goes in the house, you know where he he knows where he's supposed to be. Now, how okay. old how old did you say the dog was, Sue? He's 13 months old. Okay, perfect. So we're in an age bracket where we can still learn these things. So circuit mm. trying very much to have him know where in the house he's supposed to be. Now, when he's okay. on the lounge, it would be great if everybody in the room turned their back on him so that he realised that the social group have excluded him from activities because of that behaviour. So don't, okay. don't rouse, don't praise, don't make any noise towards him being on the lounge. Just have everyone turn their backs, even walk away, so that he realises that that behaviour isn't accepted by the social group. Je in inadvertently, by reprimanding or trying to get him off the lounge with physical contact, you've, you've sort of reinforced the behaviour. So if you've got a behaviour you want to actually extinguish in a dog, you ignore it or you block it. Um, okay. so, so reprimands won't work. Reprimands inadvertently will actually make the dog want to jump on there more sometimes because they become worried mm. about their surroundings. So um, the other thing to try and do is... Um, when you're first doing the, the training is not sit on the lounge yourselves. So have sit somewhere else in the room on a chair perhaps so that he realises that no one's really using the lounge so that he knows okay. his mat's his mat. Um, everyone's sitting in their, in their sort of set spots um, or have him on a lead when you enter the room. Everyone fills up the lounge first and then he's shown to his mat so that he knows where he's supposed to be. It's really about getting him to want to be sitting somewhere else rather than punishing him yeah. for sitting somewhere that you don't want him to be. Yeah, uh, we've been trying to do that for so long and he's just like, and, and that's the problem. See, my husband comes in and he spoils him, then my daughter comes in and she says, come off here. And she yeah, so all the rules have to be the same. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, like he, so giving mi right. mixed messages to a dog, exactly the same as a child, if they, they will know who to go to to get what they need. So really important to try and make sure that everyone's on the same page, that everyone realises the lounge isn't where we'd like him to sit, but the mat is, yeah. and so that everyone's yeah. reinforcing that mat behaviour so that he knows where he's supposed to be. Okay, thank you so much. We'll give that a try, and if it doesn't go anywhere I'll call back <laughs> <laughs> no problem oh, good Sue. on you Sue it is doing that united front isn't it, it? Is. so everyone yeah. has the same set of rules it doesn't matter who's there yeah. and you can't be sneaky it's like when you know the, the partner or the hubby leaves and That's then you're right. like alright come on then you and can it's, come it's, up it's interesting in my consults for behaviour will often find those things out <laughs> <laughs> it says more about the owners yeah, than it does yeah, the dog not everyone realises what everyone else is doing at home oh I have vivid memories of sneaking <laughs> my dog peaches in when dad was out oh, <laughs> poor peaches yeah just beautiful look that is almost uh it for today now dr paul i know we were going to have a good chat about uh age old age versus a mm, dog we were. or, or yep. pet possibly being yep. un unwell yep. we don't have time for it today but we did touch on it we had you know the, the caller about the arthritis she thought a dog had arthritis but it potentially could be some other things correct as well. I, I think as, as owners we often put a lot of things down to age and, and interestingly, age in itself isn't a disease. Yeah. So it's more about trying to recognise that um, there can be lots of reasons why behaviour can be done and it's important to think that not always is it going to be age-related. Yes, and ha if there is a, a change, to 
get it checked despite the age. Absolutely. Well, that's it for us, Cheryl Shaw. Thank you so much for today. My pleasure. For Christmas decorations, Dr Paul McCarthy, thank you. Always a pleasure. And we'll have our decorations up this time next week. You won't be here, though, Cheryl, will no. you? We'll catch up with you in a fortnight. Lovely. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.